what our purpose ought to be on earth is to fall in love with you every day and in every area of our life. Father, it's preaching time. And because we love you, we want to hear from you. Would you open our eyes today? Would you breathe on us? Fill us afresh, Lord, with wisdom and discernment. May your spirit revive what has died in us, what has fallen asleep. Quicken our hearts. For God, we want to be better servants when we leave here today. Bless our pastor, giving preaching power, preaching permission, that preaching may be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brothers. Come go with me to a very familiar passage of scripture, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 1. This is my New Year's sermon for you guys. I wasn't here on last week. I want to thank Pastor Tate. Amen. For preaching and standing in for me. And then the last three weeks of December, all of the sons were preaching in both services, giving me time to prepare for Haiti. And I'm so grateful for that. Amen. But I missed new beginnings. Amen. Ain't no congregation like new beginnings. And I want to preach a little bit this morning. Amen. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. If you have it, say, I got it. Let me say thank you to the family for stepping in and ministering to uh, Sister Laura Johnson on yesterday. Thank you, deacons and, and great women's ministry and all of you leaders that just minister to them in their time of bereavement. Thank you for helping Pastor Marty. He was very encouraged by your labor. So thank you, New Beginnings. Job well done. Amen. Amen. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone, for she has kept this day for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always with you, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. 
Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Amen. Amen. My sermon of encouragement for the new year for you is today I want to talk about the three elements of worship for a new beginning. The three elements of worship for a new beginning. When it comes to worshiping God, family, this passage today gives us a great picture to look at. For there is no greater text in all of the New Testament that I believe expresses the passion of true worship. Every now and then we meet somebody in the scripture who has had an encounter with God. And it is in this encounter that you and I can experience and learn how their lives were impacted and changed by Jesus, which gave them their reason for worship. Do you know why you worship today? A heart that's filled with worship is an example of what it means to be truly in love with Jesus. See, the, the child of God can learn from this text this morning how important and sacred worshiping the Lord really is. And the Christian from this lesson can learn how to cultivate a life of service and love and appreciation for, in, for God in 2015. This year, you're going to have a chance to do a lot of things, but I pray that the number one thing on your list is worshiping God. Are you with me here? Tell somebody the number one thing is falling in love with Jesus. That, that ought to be on your priority. Amen. Let me give you the background of the text. It was six days before the Passover and Jesus came to Bethany to visit Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. And there at Lazarus' house, his sisters made a great feast, and a supper was laid out for Jesus, his disciples, and the family. Now, the master is just six days away from Calvary, where he's going to be killed for your sins and for mine. He's in the town called Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem, about two miles away from where his death is going to take place. Now, Jesus had been in Bethany before because the last time he was there, he did a great miracle in the city. And he was also there visiting and serving the family of Lazarus, where he would oftentimes come. But notice, he comes now, Lori, back for one prior visit or one last visit before he has to leave earth and leave his friends. So before we get to look at Calvary, we get to look at the ministry that's on the master's mind in Bethany. But this time, Jesus is the one being ministered to. Did you catch that right there? Yeah, that's powerful right there. So as we look at this event, the subjects in our lesson today are literally representatives for us of what worship ought to look like. 
the first person we see that the text opens up is Martha. She's the big sister. She represents worship as work in the context in which Jesus is in. Say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, she was worshiping Christ through her work. She cooked Jesus a dinner. Some of you ladies thought cooking wasn't a ministry. In this context, she came to cook a meal for the master. Can I say some more? This was just important as her sister breaking open the alabaster box. Can I turn the light on? Don't frown on the ministry of food. Amen. She was cooking a meal for the Savior. And this was just as important as an offering as any other offering that was going to take place in that house today. Can I tell you why? It was an honor for her to cook the Lord his favorite meal. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm trying to help you, brothers. Come on, say amen. The text doesn't say how much she made, but it does inform us that it was a gift to Jesus. And because it was a gift, she was doing everything she could to please the Lord through her kitchen. Cooking for Jesus was a way to serve him in worship. It was her ministry of work and service that was done in his honor. Here's what I'm trying to say today. In this new year, somebody here ought to take pride in your service for the Lord. Don't you know if you can work in the Lord's house, you ought to do it as an act of worship unto God. No more grumbling this year about having to clean up the church. No more grumbling this year about I'm the only one showing up for ministry. You're not doing your ministry for the praise of people. You're doing your ministry for the praise of. Am I talking to you today? If you can work in the Lord's house, no quitting on him this year. You ought to consider yourself blessed if God lets you do anything on his agenda. Not everybody can do what you do. Not everybody will be known in heaven for working inside of the Lord's house. Isn't that something, y'all? Mary, on the other hand, represents giving of gifts as a worship. And we're going to discuss her a little later. Third, let's look at Lazarus. Lazarus in the text also represents worship, but he represents worship as witness. See, people went to Bethany just to be able to see the man that God had raised from the dead. Y'all catch that? His life had become an opportunity to draw others to Jesus. And we're going to see how his life becomes a witness and also an act of worship unto God. Mary appears to be the only one with her worship of Jesus on display. And as a result, she is grateful for all that he has done. I tell you, I went to Haiti and I found out that my act of worship to God over there was worshiping with others who didn't even speak the same language. Uh, they spoke Creole, and I don't speak Creole, but you know one song that was universal that we all could sing together? Hallelujah. Amen. When I start singing, Hallelujah, 
Come on, help me, y'all. Hallelujah. They chimed in with the same word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was a universal language. And they all knew that we were in the same place of worship to worship God. And hallelujah is the highest praise. Am I making sense right there? And our worship was on display. And though I was working in the orphanage and working to the, to the break of the evening and all through the day and through the night, I was tired and wore out. I knew that everything I did was unto God. When I was breaking cylinder bricks to pit windows into their places. Come on, talk to me. My hammer was an act of worship. When I played with the orphan soccer in the dusty streets that they're in. When I was baptizing those eight candidates in the salty Caribbean. Standing on rocks that was hurting my corns. Come on, talk to me. It was all an act of worship unto God. So tired I couldn't even sleep at night. But it was an act of worship unto God. And my eyes came open to what God wants for us, New Beginnings, in 2015. Guess what? He wants more from you. If anybody here is satisfied with 2014, too bad it's gone. You're in a new year now. That means God wants more from you. Tell somebody God wants more this year. He wants more this year. When we look at this text, there's something, something on display that you can't miss, though. While we see the three acts of wonderful worship, we also can see a dark, devilish display of jealousy and deceit and hatred that's being promoted in the text by one of Jesus' own disciples. Uh-oh, you missed it right there. I said, some have come to worship him, but those who have been following him, one among them wasn't there to worship. He was there to be jealous of the ones who were worshiping. Okay, I missed some of y'all, so let me back in there and keep going. Look at this. Instead of joining in with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, Judas decides to question somebody about why they fell in love with Jesus. Can I talk to him? Turn the light on right here. While, while, while somebody was honoring Jesus, somebody was hating Jesus. While somebody was loving him, somebody else was loathing him. While somebody was appreciating him, somebody else was after him. And somebody needs to know today that in 2015, everybody ain't going to be in love with your worship. You need to know this year, uh, uh, every face you see in the place of worship ain't going to be friendly. Somebody needs to know that Jesus had enemies in the house and so will you too. Can I help you here? Quit judging the ministry based on how somebody treats you in the house. Sometimes people say, oh, I went to that church, but somebody said something to me. Well, that was probably Judas. Everybody here ain't here to worship. Ask your neighbor what you here to do. What you here to do. 
Can I say some more? Jesus didn't do no wrong, but they hated him. Jesus didn't do any harm, but they hated him. Jesus had no faults, but they hated him. And such is life, family. Why? People are sinners, and they can be evil to the core. So don't judge the ministry of the church based on a Judas that you rubbed up against in the congregation. Can I turn the light on? Don't quit your ministry this year because Judas said something to you. Made you got mad and quit your life group and walked out of Bible study and missed several Sundays because Judas didn't took your parking space. Come on, talk to me. <laughs> said something to your kids. Amen. Misbehave. Just know that everybody ain't here to worship. Come on, repeat after me. Everybody ain't here to worship. I got three points I'm going to give you today. You see them up there? Number one, we're going to talk about priceless worship. Number two, we're going to talk about poisonous words. Y'all should say that together. Come on, what? And then number three, we're going to talk about protective worth. Amen? Are you ready to study? Let's open up. Look at verse number three. The Bible says that then Mary, she took a pound of very costly oil it was called spikenard and she anointed the feet of Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair and as a result of that the house was filled Lori with the fragrance of the oil let's unpack this right here Warren Wisby, a friend of my library, said these words, uh, Brother McBee, he said, it would have required a year's wages for a common laborer to purchase this ointment. In other words, this was expensive. And Mary took her resources and then took the position of a slave. When she undoes her hair and puts the fragrance on the master's feet. It's the total picture of submission, sacrifice, and service as an act of worship. Y'all in here with me? In other words, real worship costs you something. Real worship of the Christ will cause you to give up some things and to do some things to put yourself in the position of a servant. I like this. I like this. A.D. Wilson commenting on the text says that Mary's worship was costly because it caused her to give away something. And in my argument right there is this, worship ain't worship unless it costs you something. Y'all listening in here? Your worship is not worship if it don't cost you something. The text says it was an expensive perfume. It was called nard or spike nard it grew from a specific plant that only grew in India which this plant when crushed and, and, and meshed together produces an oil this oil is very costly and has to be imported 
What she does here is takes a liter of the oil. It's 11 fluid ounces. And she literally gives it away for nothing. Many of you know this story because you, you know it. You hear the time uh, when we talk about her breaking open the alabaster box. The oil was so precious it was poured into a special type of box that was a rock, kind of like a soft limestone, and then it was sealed. And the, the alabaster box was saved for the wedding night. And at the wedding night, the bride would break open the box and use it in the consummation of the marriage. Are you with me here? That's how precious it was. What she does is take this precious gift and does not waste it or use it for her wedding night, but she gives it away to the one who means more than a husband could ever mean. Are you listening through that? All I'm trying to say is she gave up her resources. She gave up her time. She gave up her treasure. She gave up her temple and she used her mind and her thoughts in this act of worship. In other words, y'all in here with me? The way she worships shows us that she thought about this. Are you with me here? She could have just said, here you go, Jesus. Here's my, here's my alabaster box. God bless you. When you get some time, won't you use it? No, she thought about it. Can I tell you how? When you would visit people in modern Asia and you come to their house, if they were good hosts, they would offer you a tile and some water to wash the dust from your feet. She goes a step further than that. Your feet, yes, are much precious than water could ever clean. Let me pour all my expensive oil and wash your feet. And a towel don't say how much you mean to me, Jesus. So I'm going to take the only thing you gave me as my glory. The hair is the glory of the woman. Come on, talk. She unties the gift of God, prostrates herself, gets on her feet, bows down to Jesus' feet, and unties her hair to dry his feet with the oil that she just blessed him with. Are you listening here? Your worship when it's real going to cost you something. It's going to cause you to prostrate yourself. You're going to have to bow down in the presence of God. That means you ain't going to ever try to elevate yourself in an act of worship. Can I help you here? Worship ain't about you. Some of us too cute to worship. Because your worship is about you. You think you're going to sweat out your weave. Come on, talk to me. You ain't going to give nothing. Because if you give this to Jesus, you might not have nothing. But when your worship ain't about you, you're giving your last dime. You know what I learned about her worship? It was three things. It was public. It was personal and it was priceless. Can I say that again? It was public, it was personal, and it was priceless. What do you mean, Pastor? It was done in public. She wasn't a closet worshiper. 
She did this in front of all the other disciples and everybody else. It was personal in that. It wasn't about everybody else. It was about her and the Lord. Y'all catch that right there? She was worshiping for an audience of one. Her worship was to please one person. Her worship was for Jesus' enjoyment. And it was costly because she turned her back on the world. And her heart was only on what Jesus thought. What's your worship like today? If you can miss Sunday to sit at home and do nothing, you're not a worshiper. If you're too cool to pray, lift your hands in public, but the game is on, you'll be hollering and jumping and everything. If you're stingy when it comes to giving to the work of God in the earth, your worship ain't for real. Your worship ought to cost you something. Guess what, guys? When I leave earth, I want to leave everything here. I'm going to leave everything here. But I want to leave it willingly. I don't want to leave it because it won't fit in the casket. After every sermon, I want to leave everything on the floor. After every mission trip, I want to leave every dime at the place I went to give it to. I'm not trying to save none of this life for some life to come. I want to live every area of my life fully exposed with a public worship unto God because it's personal. Look, you don't know what God has done for me. That's why I worship like I worship. Are you with me here? Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Her worship was public, personal, and it was priceless. It was priceless because she gave her best and her all. She gave her body. Can I tell y'all something? Sometimes our worship is impacted and hindered because we're tired. I wonder how tired Jesus was on his way to Golgotha. What if he would have just said, I'm cool, I quit right here, Father. I'm tired. It was his act of worship unto the Father. Are you with me here? Don't let tired be the reason why your worship changes. Well, look at the text. Let this year, helps me to see, make it my business this year to worship like Mary. In fact, all of our, our worship experience in 2015, New Beginnings, ought to be priceless like this. You know the mission and vision of your church, and you know what we're striving to do in the community to save lost souls. This year ought to be the year where we sing our best songs. Music ministry, are you listening? Let's quit recycling stuff. Let's write some new music. Let's do some new things. It's our worship to God. Our sermons are to be the best sermons. Not what we came up with at the last 15 minutes before midnight. Our life group lessons are not be downloaded from the internet. 
Are you listening here? Let our worship, our teaching, and our leading be unto God. Let's give God the very best. This ain't in my notes, but the worship in your homes ought to be giving God your very best. Don't teach your children this year out of your ministry in their lives at home. Give them the very best from their mothers and their fathers. No quitting in your ministry assignments this year because you got tired of being mama. You got tired of being daddy. Give God your very best. This year, I want to dance my best dance for the Lord. If that means making up new moves, hey, I'm going to do it. Where the brothers at? Where the brothers at? This year, let's let our worship be our very best. Let's let our service to God be very best. Now I'm getting ready to step on your toes because it's a New Year message. Some of you I only seen maybe four Sundays out of 52. That's not good. That's bad. You get an F on your commitment to God and worship. I know you can pray at home. Yeah, because I pray at home too. You can pray in the shower. Yep, I do that too. You can pray. You can pray in your car. I do that too. But it ain't the same. Let this year be your best year. It may be your last year. Are you listening here? Let your worship be public for the world to see. Come out the closet on your job. Tell them who you're really down with. Let your worship be personal so your soul can feel it. That makes sense right there? Don't, don't let it just be personal when you get in trouble this year. Or it's your turn to go under the knife. Come on, talk to me. Or you get the bad diagnosis at the doctor. Don't, don't, wait, till, don't wait till that happens. Before your worship get personal, get it together now so when that happens, hey, you can shout all the way through it. You can be like Sister Morgan, don't he slay me, yet will I serve him. <laughs> can I talk to you today? Listen, let your life be a sweet-smelling sacrifice of a holy life unto God. Don't come to church every time you hit the parking lot, you feel guilty. What? Is that what your life is like? If it is, you got a poor excuse for your worship. The only reason why you feel guilty every time you hit the church is because you know you ain't doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let your life, let your life bring you joy today. Let's look at point number two, the poisonous words. So here's Mary. She's in the context of worshiping, and she bows her head as I explained. She's poured the oil. Everybody's watching. They're watching her, and the oil is filling the house. It's quiet in the house. Nobody's saying anything. And then verse four opens up, and it says, but... One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, 
Simon's son, who would betray him, he said this, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? I just thought, some people don't know what to say. Y'all catch that? Everybody else is quiet, contemplating what Mary is doing for her Savior. And here's what I learned. Reverend Billings, where there is true worship, there is always contempt. Y'all catch that? Ask your neighbor, did you get it? Where there's true worship, there's always contempt. I got, I got theology for my evidence. Are you ready? When there was heaven, when there was worship in heaven, contempt showed up. Lucifer decided he wanted to be praised and deceived a third of the angels to rebel against God. Where there's worship, there's contempt. We see, we see it in the life of Israel. Where there was true worship, as the children of God were journeying through Exodus, contempt arose. And some decided, Moses, who made you king over us? Y'all with me here? Contempt arose where there was true worship. We see it in the church today. Just when the church hits that sweet spot and praise and worship is good, life groups are growing, missions assignment is happening, a group of people somewhere in here will rise up with some drama. You know why? Contempt always happens where there is true worship. It'll happen in your home. Dad be trying to lead his family in the godly way. Praying, modeling, and that woman will get out of control. Yeah, I said it. I said it in 2015, I said it. Contempt happens. Sometimes it's the woman loving the Lord, leading the children to church. And that man will just get beside himself and decide, I ain't worshiping God. That pastor, he can't tell me nothing. He a man just like me. Contempt happens. Why? Well, there is true worship. There's always contempt. So don't be shocked this year when that person you thought was a worshiper start acting goofy. Can I say some more? Judas in this text becomes a critic of worshipers. I have four weeks off, y'all. I'm going to dump the whole truck. He becomes a critic of worship. Listen to this, y'all. He was a leader in Jesus' ministry. He should have been a worshiper himself. But he decides, I'm going to criticize the way this woman is worshiping the one I should be worshiping. Hey, come on in here. Come on in here with me. Because I know we all guilty of this. You go home and you armchair quarterback the sermon. Armchair quarterback the choir selection. Armchair quarterback how the deacons are doing their job. Armchair quarterback why your life group it will be better if I was the leader. I'm in here now. Feel my help. Help me, Holy Ghost. Listen here. Judas became a critic of worship. What gives?
gives any man the right to criticize another man's worship. You criticize your own cooking. You criticize the way you cut your hair. You don't criticize somebody else's worship unto God. You don't know what God has done for them. Can I say some more? You know what's interesting about this text? I'm trying not to be so academic in my preaching this year. Amen. I want to be more into what you're feeling. I'm guilty of being an academic nut sometimes when it comes to parsing verses and looking at, you know, the nuances and the tenses of the text. That's all good. But can I just keep it real? Judas ain't said nothing in the scripture up till to now. It's the first thing he says and exposes his ignorance. Sometimes you ought to keep your mouth shut. First time he speaks, he talks about somebody else's worship. That let me know he wasn't down no way. Are you listening here? So when your critic arises, you ought to check him. Check their resume. Check what they're doing. And check if it matches up with what they're saying. Am I making sense here? Isn't that something? Then, then John does something unique for us. He exposes who Jesus was. He said he was a thief. And he had the money box. He, he, he was collecting the offering first. Because he was stealing everything that came in. Am I making sense here? Judas had already decided in his heart to abandon God. To turn Jesus over. Because he was no longer down with the mission that Christ was on. And when he speaks here, he speaks because he's offended. At Mary's devotion. Can I say some more? He's offended at her devotion because the brother didn't have one for himself. And you know what I notice? When people get mad at Pastor Wilson for just loving them, just being their pastor, it's usually because they ain't got their own devotion. See, haters. Bring confirmation to your ministry. They also expose their motives. Are you with me here? So if the sister acted like one time she was your friend, then all of a sudden she takes your intimate conversation and exposes it. With the mentality to do you harm. She just exposed herself am I making sense so don't be surprised when Judas shows up in your ministry cause where there's true worship there is contempt and don't be surprised when the one you thought was close to you shows up with poisonous words Judas tried to hurt Mary 
and expose himself. Mary wasn't bothering nobody. His words were three things. Number one, they were deduced. What do you mean? They were used to condemn as being evil. And as a result, sister, sister, oh, I can't call you Sister Garrett no more. Amen. That's one of my favorite amens. Sister McBee, that sound good. Amen. I got to say, Sister McBee, one and two now. Amen. Amen. Sister B, number, number two. Amen. <laughs> Mary's worship was the target from an anti-worship mentality. Oh, y'all missed it. Her worship was the attack from one who had an anti-worship mentality. I can tell anti-worshipers. Y'all know how? They walk during the sermon. Anti-worshippers, y'all in here, so hold on your seat. Y'all don't come to Bible study. Y'all don't come to life groups. Y'all been in church forever and you still don't pay tithes to the Lord. Because you got an anti-worship mentality. It, it won't miss with you too much if you get to miss church. Because you're an anti-worshipper. In fact, after this sermon, you might not come back no more this year. Amen. Anti-worshippers pick and choose the groups they want to run with. I'm glad I ain't preaching for an offering today. Mary's worship, Sister Billings, was under fire because her accuser didn't come to worship. Can I turn the light on right here? See, when a person don't come to worship, they can go home and talk about what they didn't get out the sermon. But a person that come to worship, I don't care if the sermon does flop. Amen. They can go home and say, the Lord was good. Because it ain't predicated about what nobody else did in worship. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. I ain't come here for you. I'm preaching for an audience of one. And if you just happen to listen in, God bless you. Am I making sense right here? Judas tripped out. He tried to demolish her. Watch this. And then how he did it, how he did it, Sister Wilson, is he accused her of wasting money. Accused her of wasting the fragrance. Accused her of wasting an opportunity to help somebody else. Are you with me here? Judas had no idea that giving to God was always greater than giving to somebody else. Church people are funny. Everybody thinks they know what the tithes and offering are to go to except the one who's in charge of collecting the tithes and offering. So we, we will say things like, I would pay my tithes, but shoot, he got a job. He got a job because y'all can't take care of him to do this job. The tithe and the offering is to make sure your preacher can preach to you. But your preacher got to preach to you and preach to somebody else so he can preach to you. 
I can't do that so we can do this. And then we say stuff like, God will provide. He has provided. And he's brought it to you to bring to the storehouse so that every need in the church can be taken care of. Can I put my weight on it? Notice what Judas said. Why didn't this oil get sold and the money given to the poor? Are you listening here? Notice how the haters always have a budget plan for God's resources. His idea was placated with an idea that he cared about people. And he never cared about the poor. He was stealing everything that came in. Are you listening? Here's my insight to Judas' life. Judas didn't know like Mary knew what Jesus had did for her. Her brother was dead. And Jesus raised him back to life and gave him back to his sister. Judas had the audacity to try to be compassionate now and say the money should have been sold and given to the poor when he had no idea what the Savior meant to her and that's why she gave him everything she had. Nobody been through what she been through. She had a right to praise him. She had a right to give God all her stuff. She had a right to bring him her best. She had a right to praise him like you did. She had a right to worship him the way she wanted to. Let me help you in 2015. Sometime, my brothers and my sisters, people going to talk about you because of the way you worship. Are you listening? People going to criticize you. They going to look at you crazy. Because you've chosen to give God your lives. The haters ain't all happy. Because God has given you a gift to honor him in the earth. That's okay. Let them hate. You be worshipers. Honor God by honoring one another. And let the haters talk. Are you listening? Give God your very best. Honor your husband, daughter. Submit to him in every area of your life. Son, lay down your life for your wife like Christ laid down for the church. No hater is going to stand with you on that day when you stand before God. Any husbands up in here? Any husbands up in here? Listen, men. Lay down your life for that woman this year. Be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's your reasonable service. And God will honor you, Rob, as you honor your bride. Any ladies up in here? Ladies, I don't care what these single ladies talking about. If they had a man, they wouldn't be bothering yours. Obey him. Submit to him. Hello? Come in here, ladies. Submit to him. It's your ministry God has given you that honors him in the earth. 
Quit being rebellious. Quit being out of control. Quit want to run everything. Let that man take care of you and watch and see how God blesses you. That's your ministry in 2015. Single ladies, if you're waiting on a gift of marriage, you might not be. But if you are, honor God. And watch God honor you. Are you listening? In 2015, give God your best. No shortcuts. Honor God with your act of worship. And you too will have a testimony like Mary. You too will be able to give God a fragrant offering that will seal the room and everybody will know uh, that you're a worshiper of God and that you give God your very best. Judas exposes himself and he had been distracted by the evil one. And as a result, yeah, he became a critic of somebody else's worship. Somebody say, I ain't going to do that this year. Yeah, yeah. Somebody say, I ain't going to talk about nobody else this year. No, somebody say, no, they ain't going to catch me. Mm -mm, I'm not going to be a critic of nobody's worship. Look, focus in on your own service, your own giving, and your own witnessing to God. Let me cut across the field and get to protective worth. Judas says this, and the room is silent. I like verse 6 because it opens up with the word but. It's a conjunction. And it's a conjunction that's moving. Judas says this and quickly, instantly, Jesus responds and said, let her alone. You catch that? Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. You see that right there? Verse 7, for the poor you always have with you. And whenever you want to, you may do them good. But me, you don't have always. Notice this. I learned three things about the master's response in this text today. Number one, it was a divine rebuke. And number two, it was a divine response. And number three, it was what I call a decisive reflection. What do you mean? Here's the divine rebuke. Number one, the master demands that Judas back up off her. You see that? He's demanding that he leave his child alone. The master demands that Judas behave. And every now and then it's good to see Jesus as the banner of protection for those who are falsely accused and attacked. On the divine response, we see that the master, in the same verse, demands, watch this now, that he quit troubling her. You see that right there? He demands that she's done all that she's done to please him. He intercedes for Mary and reveals how he feels about her sacrificial worship. Listen, Jesus loved what Mary did for him. Her gift was his gift. And her offering was for his glory. Her submission was for his service. And so he says... Judas, you always had a poor with you. And you can serve them whenever you want to do good to them. But you won't always have me. In this verse, he's calling 
for Judas' mind to shift, to change, to come back and be a part of the mission. But his mind was on something else. His mind was gone. And I notice in church work, sometime as pastor, I can reason with the Judases till I'm blue in the face. But because their mind is gone, they're bent on hell-bent activities. And sometimes you can't say no more. You got to let them go. Are you listening to me? Some of the closest friends I've had have become Judas. And the hardest thing I ever had to do was to say, get up out of here. Because their heart and their mind was bent on doing wrong. And if I have to do that, you going to have to do that. Are you listening to me? There's some people in your life in 2015 you got to cut loose. You've been praying for them. You've been interceding for them. You've been hoping that their hearts would change, but ain't nothing changed. And you keep on contemplating and hoping and praying. Man, they're going to come. They're going to turn. Nope, let me tell you something. Judas could have turned, but he didn't. So Jesus defends Mary. Say, she's ministering to me. Leave her alone. <laughs> you like that? That's authority. I said leave her alone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what would have happened if he didn't listen. He was serving him notice. I said, don't trouble her. Leave her alone. And some of us need to get that same type of courage when it comes to people who want to misbehave in the ministry. Are you listening here? Christian courage. Amen. That's what it is. Tell somebody it's Christian courage. Amen. He ain't talking about ghetto courage. No, no. I ain't talking about Christian courage. Amen. Serve them notice. In 2015, family, you need to know today that God is on your side. Watch this now. When your worship is right. Uh-oh, did you catch that? Daniel, when your worship ain't right, don't expect God to bless what you're doing. I'm going to God bless me, but your worship ain't right. You won't even come to church. You ain't even studying the Bible at church, so I know you ain't studying at home. But you want God to bless you. You want him to give you favor in your sport, favor at the university, favor in your job, but your lifestyle is wicked as a false worshiper. God is with you when you're right. What I mean by that, he won't ever leave you or forsake you. That's what I'm talking about. But don't expect him to bless you when your life is a mess. Am I talking to you? True worship. Yes, yes. God will honor. He will defend. He will testify for. In 2015, you need to know that God will defend you when others accuse you. Sister Green, you'll need to know, daughter, yeah, that giving him all you got is a good thing, mama. In 2015, you don't have to listen to those who tell you not to give to Jesus. You know that ain't the voice of God. 
Are y'all listening in here? That's the evil one telling you, you ain't got to go tonight to Bible study. You ain't got to give the Lord your time, your talent, your treasure. That's not, that's not God. That's from the devil. Are you listening here? Somebody needs to know today that when you worship God, you get blessed in the process. You catch that? Somebody needs to know that when you give God your best worship, God gives you grace in the process of worshiping him. I'm going to say some more. Y'all ready? I promise to get off of it. But y'all laid back pretty tight tonight. Pretty tough today. Listen. Grace is unmerited favor. It's the stuff you don't deserve. It's the stuff that God has stored up in reserve. That just he just decides to give to you because he's God. It ain't predicated upon your works or predicated by nothing else. It's just grace stuff. It's, the, it's, like, it's like breath to keep you from choking. It's like oxygen. It's like a, a, a healthy checkup at the doctor when you've been eating bad all year long. That, that's grace. It's, that, it's, 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 it's keeping you safe in the car when you fell asleep at the wheel. It's your airplane taking off and landing safely when they falling out the sky every day. It's grace. In fact, uh, you can get too comfortable with grace and think it's just there because it's just there. Are you with me here? No, God don't have to give you grace if he don't want to give you grace. But an act of worship unto God, a true worshiper, recognizes that, hey, there's another grace blessing for me. Well, I'm closing here. When the text says in verse 9, great many of the Jews knew that he was there at Lazarus' house. But they didn't come for Jesus alone. No, daughter Nikki, they came because they wanted to see Lazarus for themselves. Lazarus was a miracle. They knew that he was dead and that Jesus had raised him back to life. But they wanted to come and see his worship for themselves. Can I say something right there? Some people you just hear about and you got to go see for yourself. What God has done for him. Can I say some more? It was on account of, account of what God had did for Lazarus that many people believed in Jesus, the verse says in verse 11. And that's what I call an extraordinary worship. See, his worship wasn't comprised of work, wasn't comprised of giving, but rather it was comprised of a witness. Because he was no longer dead and was alive, he was a witness. Did you catch that right there? And people came to Jesus because of his witness. Wow. Isn't that powerful? I'm closing when I tell you this. So I'm in Haiti, and we're doing a ministry there at the Agape house that they call Street Care. And really it's groups of teams that go out in twos to the huts 
in the villages. And we go to the huts in the villages way in the back of the city where nobody even goes, where cars can't even get in and go to. And we're walking with our interpreter and we get to one house that leads to several different houses. And I understand clearly now why Jesus says the first house you get to, if they accept you, pray that peace be on that house. And if they don't accept you, take your peace with you. Are you listening here? We get to the first house with our interpreters and there's a young stud there at the door and his wife and they don't want the Americans to come and pray for him. And the dogs are barking and they're hostile and I'm getting ready to leave and I say, thank you, Lord, and take your peace with me. Then I'm walking down the dirt road and I see a little old lady who's standing out in front of her little hut. And the interpreters walk up to her and they say what they say to her in Creole and they say that this is a pastor from the States and he's come down to pray with us and Haitians. And she looked at me and I got her with them big browns. Amen. I looked at her and I greeted her in French. I said, Bonsoir, Mama. She said, Bonsoir, Pastor. And I got her. Amen. The interpreter said, Pastor, would like to pray with you. And I started to share the greatest news in all the earth. I walked her through the scripture from Genesis to the New Testament about God's plan for all of humanity. And she listened there intently and she sat down on a little bitty brick outside of her brick fortress. And I took one knee and kneeled down in a pile of rocks. And on one knee I looked in mama's eye and I began to share with her about the witness of God in the earth. And how God loves her and has a plan for her life. And asked her did she know who Jesus was and she said no. And I said, can I tell you who he is? She said, yes. And I began to tell her about God becoming flesh, born of a little virgin girl, living 33 years on earth, and going one day as the sacrifice for God to take away her sins and my sins. And when I got through bringing Jesus off the cross and putting him in the grave and raising again from the dead, mama had tears in her eyes. And I said to her in the best witness I could, would you like to accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior? She said, yes, we, 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 we. And with tears coming down my eyes and my students with me, we prayed the sinner's prayer. And I kid you not, New Beginnings, after we finished praying and we opened up our eyes, I looked in mama's eyes and there was something different. Y'all remember that look? She had a glow about her. And I knew right then and there, God is no respecter of persons. She came into the kingdom. Can I tell you some more? After we prayed for her, I said thank you and went on my way out the gate. Mama followed us out of the gate and we turned to go down the road and she hollered something to a neighbor who was just over the way. The neighbor came outside and I was walking backward looking at Mama 
Tell the neighbor what had happened. Then the neighbor beckoned us. Come over to my house. The team went over to her house. And I began to share with her the good news of Jesus Christ. And when I asked her, how can I pray for you? She was an unbeliever. You know what she said? I want JC or Jesus Christo. I want Jesus Christ. I shouted, hey, hallelujah. Mama has shared the witness with her across the fence. And we prayed. She accepted Christ in her life. Then later, about 30 minutes later, we went down to the ocean. And at the ocean, I baptized eight new believers into the family of God. We were a witness, just like Lazarus was a witness. Guess what your greatest ministry is in 2015? Sister Crawford is being a witness. A witness that God could use. Not a witness that people say, uh, if that's what it looks like being a Christian, I'm cool. And some of you are guilty of that. Don't do that this year. Some of you are guilty of being a witness that hasn't brought God glory. Your lifestyle, your decisions, your conversations, your overall behavior has not brought God honor and glory. Knock it off. We represent the God of heaven and earth. It is a high and holy calling. Listen to me. And if you don't take it serious, then find a church where they don't take it serious. But up in here, I'd rather serve God with 10 committed people than with 300 lukewarm believers. I'm serious this year. Are you listening to me? I want to run with thoroughbreds, not skipping with mules this year. I hope he trims back the flock. I hope he prunes us. So that real growth can happen. If you want a lazy church, there's about 500 of them around. You want a church where they ain't going to check you. They're not going to call you on your stuff. Then get busy over there. But if you want to work, want to get your hands dirty, want to keep your pockets empty, want to be tired but have the joy of the Lord, you in the right congregation. My New Year's challenge to you. Is this year, yeah, be a worshiper that works. Be a worshiper that gives. And be a worshiper that's a witness. Are you listening? Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, thank you for giving us the hard message at the beginning of the year. Thank you for the elements of worship. The truth is that everything in our flesh doesn't want to worship you, but rather wants us to worship ourselves. Wants us to worship other things, other people. So help us to die to our flesh this year. Help us to die daily.
God, we need you. If you're going to use us to do great things in the earth, we must first be worshipers that worship you in spirit and in truth. And I call, Lord, to ask you to do that in this congregation. Help those who've gotten so comfortable with a carnal lifestyle. Draw them out of it, Lord. For you told us in the revelation that you would wish we were either cold or hot. But because we're not, you're going to spit us out of your mouth. Don't let us be lukewarm this year, God. Not lukewarm in our living. Not lukewarm in our giving. Not lukewarm in our work, in our witness, in our ministries. Help us to be, be thoroughbreds that'll run for you while we have a chance. Help us to be willing this year to cut loose the Judases. Help us to not entertain drama, negative action. Help us to not be the one carrying gossip like we good news messengers. Help us to stop it in this body. Help us have the tenacity to stop it when we hear it. And then I pray, God, I pray that we would be a holy congregation where holiness is the standard for all that you've called us to do. Help those who are living together in sin to knock it off to obey you and to quit making excuses or then break up their relationships Lord whatever you want to do in any order it's alright with me help those who are compromising in areas of their life where they ought not compromise I pray that you convict them today convict them so that their lives will have power to live for you and then finally, forgive us for bad-mouthing others. Forgive us for not keeping our covenant commitment as members in this body and members committed to you. I thank you for those who have lived a life of commitment and abandonment to you last year. Thank you for your favor and your mercy on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.